Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Is heaven real and what is it exactly? Is there a real hell to avoid? Will the wicked burn in hell forever? What does the Bible say about all this? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Albert Hardy. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to talk to you today about five, count of five, things that the church messed up. (laughs) What? Yep. Five major things, doctrines, if you will, that the church messed up. They are faith, hell, heaven, the rapture, and the gospel. I want to start off with a story. When I was a kid, here in Sebring, Florida, I was invited to go to a youth rally over at the First Baptist Church, one of the largest churches in the area. So I decided I would go. There was a young man there singing and playing the guitar, and he'd sing his own songs, and I thought that was pretty cool. But then he would stop in between each song and deliver a short little message urging the kids in the audience to um, have faith in God and and start believing. That's all well and good, but at the end, he stopped and he invited everybody in the audience to ask him a question. And several kids stood up and they'd ask him questions about Jesus or God or the future, the Bible, or something, maybe even evolution. He did pretty well at answering these questions until the last question. A girl in the back stood up. She's probably, or was probably 16 or 17 at the time. And she said, I will be the best Christian you ever saw in your life. I'll be at church every time the doors are open. I'll participate in everything. I'll even teach Sunday school. If, and boy, is that a big if, if you can only prove God exists. He thought about it for about Three minutes seemed like to me. And everybody's on pins and needles. They're sitting on the edge of the seats trying to see what this young man is going to say. And unfortunately, he said, "Uh, well, it's just something we have to accept on faith. We can't prove God exists. And that poor girl, she looked down for a minute, and then she raised her eyes slowly, looked around at the crowd, and said, then I don't want anything to do with you, with this church, with God, with the Bible, or with Jesus. She picked up her things, turned on her heel, and left the building in a huff. Oh, man. I was so very disappointed. 
And so was everybody else in the crowd with this preacher man. He did not hit that nail on the head at all. He blew it. And that poor girl's life was changed forever and not for the better. And what about you? The first thing on my list was faith. Do we need faith in order to believe? I suggest you go to my website, I Tell Why, that's the letter I and then the word tell and then the word why, W-H-Y dot com. You can also get there through Jesus is why dot com. Why do I want you to go there? Because I'm selling something? No, I don't have a thing on that website to sell. So you can go there comfortably and just watch the videos. You can read my eight books, but the videos in the middle are designed or put there to help build faith without having to pretend you believe until you do. That's not faith. What is it? What is faith? Well, I wonder what Jesus himself said about faith. Here's what Jesus said about it. It's in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. Well, let me back up to uh, verse 1 in chapter 18 of Luke. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to give up, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not do it for a while, but afterward he said inside, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, because of this widow coming continually to me, I will avenge her, her, lest by her continued coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry to him day and night, though he bear right along with them? Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them, and speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes back, shall he find faith on the earth? Here, Jesus himself expressed doubt that in the end times, when he returned, he would find all that many who still had faith in him. Wow. Another place I want to take you is uh, Mark 11 and verse 22 in particular, but let's start in verse 20. And you'll remember this story. This is where Jesus had cursed the fig tree, and immediately it shriveled up, dropped its leaves, and died on the spot. Well, this is when they came upon it the next morning. And it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Rabbi, or Master, Look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. 
And Jesus, answering them, said, Have faith in God. So he's urging us to have faith. For verily, and I include us because we are those that believe in him, even that we, uh, because we didn't see him, and we believe in Jesus because he told us to have faith in him. You believe in God, and you do well. The devils even believe, and they tremble, but they don't obey. They don't follow God. They don't trust in him, unfortunately. But anyway, to go on in verse 23, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he has said will come true. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you will. And when uh, standing and praying, forgive, for if you, um, wait a minute, forgive if you have anything against any, that your Father, which also is in heaven, may forgive you from your own trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven uh, forgive your trespasses. By the way, the ASV omits that verse. That's 26. But the point is that we should all have faith in God. And so it is. We are urged by Jesus to have faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is vision for what God is doing. Did you catch that? It's vision. It's mental clarity about what God is doing, what he's up to, and how he's building a universe and filling it with life. That's faith. To trust and believe in the word of God because it's, what, it's a picture of what God is up to. He's building a universe full of life, full of happy beings, everyone at one point coming in the future will have faith in God. Every last person, all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now, where did he say that? He said that in Jeremiah 31, verse 34. So, let's go there. 31, 34, Jeremiah. Here's what he says, 31 and verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, the Eternal. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin of unbelief, maybe? No more. See also Isaiah eleven nine, 
Micah 7:18, Habakkuk 2:14, and 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9 and also Psalms 22 and verse 27. All shall know the Lord God. Now, that cannot happen as long as there are people worshiping false gods. So, Jeremiah, in chapter 10, verse 11, told us this. Jeremiah 10, 11. Thus shall you say unto them, the gods, spelled with a little g, that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from off the earth and under these heavens. Wow. All the idols shall be abolished. Go to, if, if you want to learn more, Psalms 96, verse 5, Isaiah 2, verse 13, and um, Zephaniah 2, 11. All the gods that did not create the heavens and the earth shall perish. Actually, I have found 12, 12 myths that the church has embraced. Why is the church in America dying? While the church in um, China, for one, and Korea are, uh, th those churches are, are growing. How can that be possible? America, the land of the free, where we're free to worship God. In God we trust is on the back of our license plates, our auto tags, and our coinage, and our paper dollars. In God we trust. Do we really trust in God anymore? No. Twelve insane myths embraced by the church. I'm just going to go through these real quick, then I want to read um, Hebrews 11 to continue and wrap up this dissertation on faith. One, faith, the faith myth. Fake it until you can make it. You don't work up faith. Faith is a gift. If you want that gift, you ask for it from God, and he will give it to you. But you have to ask. Two, the hell myth, eternal conscious torment. Is that real? Just read Jeremiah chapter 51 and verses 39 and 57, and you tell me what you think that means. Three, the heaven myth, eternal retirement in the clouds. Yeah. What does that mean? What does it mean to go to heaven? We've lost our way in the church. We don't know anything about the future in heaven. What's that about? Shame on the church for that. Four, the rapture myth. Yes, we may very well meet Jesus in the clouds, but it's a matter of when. When? If we look at it, Closely, 
and believe what we see in the Bible, we'll realize that our timing is way off thanks to fiction authors, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, who I have met and talked to. I I asked Jerry, uh, is this based on the Bible or based on fiction? And he said it's all fiction or it's fiction. So, and but we like that fiction because it it gets us out of our personal responsibilities, gets us away from them. We'll be out of here. I've heard pastors say, "No, no, no, no." Five, the gospel myth. It's about personal salvation. Have you signed on the dotted line? Well, it's not about that. Is that what Jesus said? Is is he out to get converts? No. He came to talk to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not of the house of Israel. I'm a Gentile. So, you know, what's my good news? Well, the good news is about personal salvation to start with, but that's not the whole deal. The real big deal is that we have a Savior coming to save our planet, coming to come and fix what's wrong with it. Number six, the soul myth. Do we really have a... um, an immortal soul that lives on after we die. No, that's a platonic and satanic and blasphemous idea. I'll explain later. These are programs coming up. Number seven, the prophecy myth. This is Bible Prophecy Radio. This is all about your future. Every bit of this. The church missed your future, and they're not telling the truth. So why does prophecy matter? Because it builds faith in God. Go to my website, itellwhy.com. I have nothing on there to sell. Nothing's for sale. You can't buy anything. You can't donate. There's no donate button or any of that. It's all there for you as a public service to build faith in God especially the videos in the middle between the covers of my books, which, by the way, you can download and read and study and spread and do everything you want to do with them. They're Bible studies. We need to learn the Bible again. Make America great again. Well, let's make it great in the Bible. How do we get great in the first place? We got great because we have a great God that we served. He's the only one alive. These other gods are not alive. They're dead. And if you want to be like that, you want to be dead, unfortunately, that's your choice. I hope you choose life. Number eight. The Old Testament, it's done away. We don't even read that except for inspiration. What does that mean? I've got no idea. It's not done away. Where in the New Testament, quote-unquote, does it say that the Old Testament is done away? I'd like to see that. Show me. Number nine, 
misunderstanding Jesus himself. Is he a mealy mouth weakling that wouldn't hurt a fly? <laughs> Quite the contrary, my friend. Read about Jesus. Read, study his life. I have committed, uh, let's see, I think it's, well, there's 30 sessions of 30 minutes apiece. So that's 15 hours of recording time. It's on the website, itellwhy.com. You can listen to me read uh, from the scriptures, by the way. I've pieced together his life story in a way you've never, ever, ever heard before. It's all from the Bible. And the quotations are there, or at least partially. Number 10, misunderstanding what life is really about. What's the goal of life? We don't have a clue what the goal of life is. Is it to go to heaven when you die? No. No. It relates to the universe and your eternal destiny there. Number 11, we're abandoning God. We're not listening. La, la, la. We've got our fingers in our ears, and we're not hearing God, and we're not listening. Shame on us. And lastly, we prefer Greek philosophy over Bible truth. Tr uh, tradition trumps truth. And that should not be. I would like for you to read Isaiah 34, 16 and see what is said there. We need to seek out the book of the Lord and read it. There's a guy on YouTube which I really like. His name is Lex, and he does the Unlearn series. Unlearn the Lies. That's his thing, and he's pretty good at it, I'll tell you. He's, he's pretty sharp. You might want to check that out. Unlearn. Lex. And I don't know his last name. Now let's go to Hebrews 11. Here's what it says. Now faith is the substance or assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, a conviction of things not yet seen. What is that? It's vision. It's the ability to see what God is up to without literally, excuse me, literally seeing it with our eyes at this point. For by it, the elders obtain a good report, a good witness born to them through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that's Jesus, so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which do appear at least right now. We don't know how God did it. It's by his power. He found a way to materialize his own energy, which is, by the way, powerful and enormous, to say the least. If you can build worlds and suns and multitudinous billions of them, that's a lot of power. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaks. 
Wow. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he should not see death at that time, in other words, and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, as it says in the King James here, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I suggest that we all do that. Diligently seek out God. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, i.e. the flood coming, moved with fear, godly fear, prepared an ark, a big boat, to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, in verse 8, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive as an inheritance, obeyed. He simply left his home country. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him, of the same promise, that's his son and grandson. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now what is that? That's vision, my friends. That's what faith is. Through faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful, who had promised it. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the sea shore is innumerable, so it is with Abraham. But these all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, vision anyone, and embraced them, greeted them from afar, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek after a country of their own, a homeland. We want to go home. Yes, of course we do. But God says, wait for me. Wait on me. Serve me. And so that's what we're here to do. Verse 15, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had the opportunity to go back, but now they desired a better country, that is, an heavenly one. So for this reason, God is not ashamed to call them their sons. Well, actually, 
It says, Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That's the way it puts it in the King James. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And yes, he that had received or gladly received the promises from God offered up his only one begotten son, of whom it is said that Isaac, in Isaac shall your seed be called, accounting to God that he was able to raise him up from the dead, from where he actually received him in a figure of speech. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith Joseph, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Wait a minute. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, one of his sons, and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, was or made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave them commandments concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw that he was a goodly child and were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he had come of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And you can read the rest of the chapter. It talks about other people. For example, um, the harlot Rahab, down in verse 31, and what she did, and Gideon, and Samson, and Samuel, and David, and Jephthah, and a few of the others. That's why we read the Bible. We want to know the truth about the future, not just the past. These people are past, but they had their eyes on the future. Is that what you have in mind? I'm hoping that that is what you have in mind. God having provided something better for us, that they without us should not be perfected. That is, not apart from them, but together with them. We're included. Isn't it great to be included? I picked you. That's what God says to you and me. We have a future because of him. Go to my website, itellwhy.com. You can also get there through jesusiswhy.com. If you want to email me, email me at jesusiswhy. That's J-E-S-U-S-I-S-W-H-Y at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to try to answer your questions or if you'd like to just make a comment. I would appreciate it. But go to the website and enjoy the resources you'll find for free right there. Lots of PDFs you can download and print. Lots of videos you can look at. Audio, you know, my audio book about the life and times of Jesus. It's quite lengthy, really, and quite thorough, I think. So, anyway, until next time, 
This is Albert Hardy. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Please tell your friends and uh, come back soon. I've got lots more for you, especially coming up. But anyway, have a great day. Thanks for listening.